you want to give love to the city, that's a fact. But you're gonna need help if you want to make an impact. Well endowed, you want to be well endowed with the Edmonton community. Things really happen when you find that you're well endowed. Hi everyone, welcome to the Well Endowed Podcast. I'm Elizabeth Bonkink, and joining me today is a special guest host, Karen Tang. Hi, everyone. I'm Karen. I'm a member of the Edmonton Community Foundation's Board of Directors, and I'm also a fellow podcaster over at the Otherwise Podcast, also part of the Alberta Podcast Network family. Well, thanks so much for hosting while Andrew's away, but let's jump right in. This podcast is brought to you by Edmonton Community Foundation, and we are also a proud affiliate member of the Alberta Podcast Network. Edmonton's full of generous donors who have created endowment funds at ECF. These funds generate money to support charities in Edmonton and beyond. On this show, we share stories from the spaces where endowments and community intersect because it's good to be well endowed. So if you've been to the Varscona Theatre in Old Strathcona in the past couple of years, you might have noticed there's been a bit of a refresh. That old building was much loved, but it definitely challenged the theatre companies that worked out of it. Our correspondent Chris Chang Yan Phillips is sharing history bites around our city. He asked a local playwright what finally pushed the total remake of the Varscona Theatre building the beginning of my career, which is 1982, when the Fringe started, the the first time I went and got groceries for the show was the first time I'd ever been given a plastic bag at Safeway. (laughs) And then, you know, it was like 30 years later, and plastic bags are kind of being phased out. So if and if they're gone within another few years, I feel like my my career will have spanned the era of the plastic bag in grocery (laughs) stores. Hi, it's Stuart Lemoyne. I uh, am with Teatro La Quindicina, one of the resident companies uh, at the Varscona Theatre, and I'm also uh, one of the five people that uh, manage the building, and, uh, and I'm on the board, and I'm just always here. <laughs> and here we are in the dressing room. Yes, that's right. Yeah, I don't spend much time in the dressing room. Well, thank you for bringing me backstage. Well, when we came here, which was uh, about 1994, I guess, uh, it had been operating as a theater for about 10, 11 years. As the years went by, uh, Shadow and Teatro kind of took over running the building. But it, it's, it was converted from a fire hall, which it had been for about 30 years prior. So it was always a building that had been kind of... Uh, loosely adapted (laughs) and and certain things were not meant to be what they were being used as so uh, it was it was always a little rough and tumble okay so building not designed as a theater um, not maybe in the best of shape yes there was a a rather primitive water heater that would constantly uh, the pilot light was always going out and we would just have nothing but cold water and be trying to do dishes and whatever and uh, and so somebody would have to go down and relight it. And uh, this was, we'll feel like this is one of the catalysts for somebody standing up and saying, we just need a whole new building, was when Sherry Somerville went down to relight the pilot light and uh, set her hair on fire <laughs> because she had to lie on the floor <laughs> in order to do it. And so, you know, a glamorous uh, lady of song who was aflame. <laughs> she was okay. She was okay. Just a little shaken and just kind of uh, not sure how long, how many times she wanted to repeat that experience. Has she ever been reviewed as incandescent? <laughs> yeah, maybe that day. Yes. Yeah. And um, the stage itself was not um, ideal uh, with ma- the many layers of performances that had been on there? Yeah. Well, when we moved in, you know, it had been in operation 
for a good 10 or 11 years. And I think, you know, within another few years, we found that there'd been so many levels, so many coats of paint applied to the masonite on the stage that it was just starting to buckle uh and so what one of the things i remember is that when we did pith and at the end of the play divina had to divina stewart had to lay out uh, a place setting with a candelabra on the floor and she just had to be very very careful where she placed everything so she wouldn't put it on a little hill because it was all a little precarious there was a good flat area but it was a little to the left of what would have been ideal because you can't put a put a don't put a candelabra on a, a an uneven surface <laughs> um and the new space is beautiful. This mix of like wood beams and brick, it, it's, it's got a nice feeling to it. Yeah, and the great thing about it is that it's actually built on the bones of the old theater. And so there are backstage, there are a lot of familiar corners. The stairwells to the basement are the same stairwells that were in the old building. And so that feels great. The rest dressing rooms are in the same places, um, you know, and uh, you can see little echoes of brickwork and kind of know this is where I used to stand in, except I was in a different hallway or that kind of thing. Uh, but it's great to have, you know, a kitchen downstairs that has a dishwasher and is fully operational as opposed to one that was sort of doubling as prop storage. And, you know, wow. it was right backstage. So you'd come off and somebody would be trying to do the dishes, but somebody else would be trying to change their clothes. Wet props at all? Mm, oh, sometimes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this building has had um, many lives, many occupants, many um, performers on the iterations of the stage. Um, what do you think lives on through all those many lives? Well, uh, we're still here, but basically, uh, you know, it's, we always say that the most valuable things are, are what the audience takes away every night. You know, they, they have an experience that you try to provide them. And so everybody has their own memories of, of this place of being here and what they learned here. And, um, you know, and for us, it's, it's interesting that, you know, we rehearse now upstairs instead of downstairs. It's like we're still in the same building, but we just continue to utilize it in different different ways and be in different parts of it. So, um, you know, I, I hope it'll last. We've, we've been pretty, I think, good at raising a whole next generation of, of younger artists and making sure they sort of have ownership here and, uh, and that they know that this is a place where they, where they can continue to create in every way. And, and you know, certainly... As a as a fringe venue, it's very important for us to to be part of that, and because we we process you know a thousand people a day during the fringe, we'll see wow. shows here because they'll see six performances, and we've got two hundred seats, and so it it is certainly a big part of the community. So that was Teatro La Quintachina, founder and resident playwright Stuart Lemoyne. If you haven't had a chance to check out the refurbished Varscona Theater, they're showing a play called Lungs from March 13th to the 31st. And of course, you can see the Dynasty live improvised soap opera every Monday night. Thanks so much to Chris Chang Yen Phillips for bringing us that story. So what's next, Elizabeth? Next, we're going to catch up with Sanjay Shahani. Hello, my name is Sanjay Shahani, and I'm the executive director of the Edmonton Arts Council. About the city's 10-year plan to transform arts and heritage in Edmonton. Sanjay first joined us back in May of 2018 to talk about their approach and considerations as they set out to build the plan. That's right. Edmonton Arts Council, Edmonton Heritage Council, and Arts Habitat Edmonton have been working with the City of Edmonton to create a vision that looks to the city's future. It is a vision that engages arts and heritage as an integral part of Edmonton's identity as we continue to grow. 
Now the plan has been released. It's called Connections and Exchanges, a 10-year plan to transform arts and heritage in Edmonton. Sandy is back to tell us about what they're hoping to achieve. What interests you most about our Edmonton arts sector? What excites you about being in the arts? What is exciting about Edmonton is that there's a real sense that people in the city are, and especially artists, are very, I don't know whether the word is confidence, but I think there is a sense of self, there is a sense of being rooted to the city, um, which is really important. But it's refreshing, I find it very refreshing, that as much as there is a rootedness and a pride in, in sometimes the, the, the terminology is homegrown, you know, the homegrown thing that is so Edmonton. Um, I think there is also at the same time, you know, a real curiosity and a real uh, hunger to, to be connected uh, to things that may not be fully familiar. And I think there is a recognition. I've been here for three years now. I think there is a recognition that we, we are now a large city and we are at a million now. But at the rate that we are growing in terms of all the people that are coming here to make a life or to study, that is only growing. Um, so that's the first thing. I think that the arts give expression to that in unique ways. Because of that kind of rootedness, as well as this fearlessness, uh, we have new festivals, we have new um, projects. Uh, people are not afraid of failure which I think is, is, a, is a sign of um, innovation, but it's also a sign that we are building something together. It's a very strong community feel, even though there is that individual uh, drive to, to do something different or to do something new or to, or to challenge uh, your peers. But there is a really strong sense that, that we are building something for Edmonton. So we're here to talk about the 10-year arts plan, arts and heritage plan. Um, can you tell us a little bit about why a plan is important? I think it's, uh, it's important for several reasons, but most important reason, I think, is that a plan allows us to really articulate a vision over the long term. A plan also allows us to build a very focused strategy around how we are going to... Um, meet the expectations of the vision. And finally, as with our Connections and Exchanges plan, we also have a measurement, evaluation, and learning framework that allows the implementing organizations to really demonstrate what the impact or the change is going to be over the long term. I think a good plan is a plan that uh, not only consults with the community while it's being designed and thought of, but good plan is also a plan that is responsive and responsible in how it anticipates the changes that we want. And which is why in our current plan, uh, Connections and Exchanges, we have a measurement evaluation learning framework that actually allows us to do that very thing. So what are some of the things that are currently in there that you, we might see in a couple of years? One of the ambitions in our, in, in our plan is uh, that Edmonton will be alive with arts and heritage. In that ambition, I think what we have uh, what we have articulated, as we've heard from the community, is that wherever you live in Edmonton, uh, you will have an opportunity to encounter uh, the arts or heritage. There is the other piece to that is that uh, there is a very strong neighborhood level focus 
in that ambi- in that ambition. So um, if there are specific uh, programming or project-based activities that we could support, we will do that, which then will allow Edmontonians uh, to really get a sense that the arts are alive in their communities. That ambition also allows us to look at barriers to access and uh, how can people actually begin to access the arts uh, regardless of their income levels or where they live. And so some of the interventions that we hope to be doing in the next uh, four years is that we will be um, looking at things like um, opening up uh, access through maybe ticket subsidies or opening up access maybe through a partnership with uh, with um, Edmonton Transport or you know things like that so that people who are not in the core where the arts happen or in Old Strathcona actually have access to the arts in a, in a new way. And finally, I think uh, under that ambition, for example, we are also very keen on how Edmontonians can individually uh, uh, sort of uh, you know participate. So access is really important for experience, but we also want to uh, encourage people's participation. That, that's great. I, I noticed when I read the plan that it was not quite what I was expecting. I was expecting more about um, the types of things that you might invest in or um, areas that need more focus, but it was very much focused on bringing art to all areas and making sure that it aligns with Edmontonians. So there's a big Indigenous factor in there. Can you talk a little bit about that? So I think I'll say two things about that. So you're absolutely right that the plan itself is not a traditional plan. It's a vision and a strategy and the measurement framework. What we are doing now is that now that it's been unanimously approved by City Council, and we also have been given uh, additional funds to do the first phase of implementation, what we are doing now is that we are going out into the community um, in late spring to do some consultations around all our investment programs, so all our granting programs, uh, as well as the, the public art commissioning work that we do on behalf of the city. We're also looking at our services, because what we want to now do is we want to create an implementation framework that will implement all these actions and drive the outcomes. The other piece of your question around indigenous uh, impact, instead of creating a separate strategy for in, for the development of indigenous arts and heritage, uh, we have a principle that now binds the implementing organizations, so Edmonton Heritage Council, Edmonton Arts Council, and Arts Habitat, binds them to recognize the cultural autonomy and agency of indigenous peoples in all their diversity. And so what that means is that we will, as part of our consultation process, we will be working closely with the indigenous community, the arts community for the Arts Council, uh, where we will be working with them to see what are some of the things that we need to do that are different than what we've been doing thus far. We've had some really good success with individual artists and we've supported a few organizations that uh, through our uh, operating programs and through our other granting streams. We've also had success with our with our public art uh, program. So one of the biggest successes was the opening of the Indigenous Art Park. And that process, we've learned a lot from that process in terms of um, how we need to work with Indigenous communities. but. Every project and every program is slightly different. We don't want to ever get into a situation where we have a formula of how to work. And so the relationship building piece with indigenous communities is absolutely key. 
And we also have to recognize the diversity of the urban indigenous experience and the urban indigenous communities. So um, there's some work to do on, in that area, uh, but that uh, principle predic is predicated on, on the implementa uh, implementing organizations, recognizing the autonomy and the agency, which means that we will collaborate and co-create with them, whether it's programs, services, or other kinds of projects, uh, it'll always be done in collaboration with indigenous communities. That's great to hear. And I think everyone here in Edmonton is now working towards our reconciliation, and, and that's a piece for you as well. Uh, now, I also noticed that the um, the plan is aligned with the city's plan. Can you talk a little bit about why that's important and, and what pieces, you know, you, you maybe had to adjust to align to the city's plan? So this was a plan commissioned by the city um, where the Edmonton Arts Council was given the funds to lead the process and to develop their plan. So I think that needs to be very clear. The implementation framework will be ours, but the plan itself, Connections and Exchanges, is a city plan. In fact, what's happening now is that in our alignment with the city, with the big, broad goals of the city, as the city builds its own master plan and its own uh, long-term strategy, now it's only a question of... of really ensuring that the alignment is done in a way that supports how culture can actually become a really key part of city building itself. So instead of us actually figuring out after the fact, we are actually now in a really fortuitous position because we are driving in a way some of the indicators potentially and some of the goals that the city is going to think about. So when they say we want a healthy city or we want a city which has urban places or city that is really in uh, the forefront of economic prosperity or climate resilience, I think the role of the arts will become much more important and much more visible. And so you're right that this plan is really focused not just on the sector itself, but it's actually focused on how the sector integrates into the larger city and the larger narrative of Edmonton. And so how creativity and culture can become Edmonton's identity is something that this plan sort of begins to tease out and say, you know that the arts are important because of all these intrinsic and qualitative issues, but the arts are also important because at the neighborhood level, they will create a vibrant and healthy city. They will drive the idea that we are an urban uh, place that is connected through, not just through transportation and through other means, but that people are actually driving the change themselves by animating public spaces in a new way, in a creative way. So it's not just about service and infrastructure, but people are infrastructure in a way. And so this plan actually gives credibility to the idea that Edmontonians and Edmonton's artists and arts organizations and festivals are really key to uh, enabling Edmonton as a city to achieve big goals. Uh, one of the things I noticed about the, the strategy is that it talks a little bit about um, the use of technology and it talks about accessibility. Um, are these things that have been missing from the plan up until now? Um, I think with the Art of Living, which was the first real plan that was resourced by Edmonton City Council, I think the Art of Living was really key because it established some uh, standards on on what needs to happen from an investment lens. It was also important 
because it, one of the recommendations was the creation of the Heritage Council. So those kinds of things were important in, in actually setting up the infrastructure of how we can build the arts in the city. And it, it has, you know, it has really been quite successful because we now could build something like Connections and Exchanges, which is now saying that, you know, it's important for us to fully understand what came before us and what is, what is the present situation now. But it's more important for us as we go through rapid demographic and technological and population change, it's more important for us to be able to anticipate uh, how Edmonton is going to be able to grow and uh, how is it going to think about its needs uh, you know, for the future. So this is all about the future. And part of, part of the challenge of doing that is um, as you think about a plan, plans are not normally... Uh, documents that that anticipate plans are documents that actually create a roadmap and say this is what you do and if you do this you'll get this we didn't want to fall into that trap because we know that it's very difficult to predict how society is going to change and interact what we do know is we do know that demographically we're becoming younger what we do know is demographically with immigration and with uh, you know the growing indigenous population, we're becoming much more diverse. What we do know is economically we're becoming much more diversified. There are new sectors coming. Um, what we do know is that our universities are expanding, our, our colleges are expanding. So all of those things require uh, us to think about an Edmonton five, ten years down the road, not the Edmonton of today. And so. Part of this work is to be able to imagine, and that's why we built a, a, a public consultation process that was fairly robust and fairly widespread. We, we spread the net really wide, um, and we wanted uh, a really kind of diverse demographic to participate. And I think what we've got is we now have a document that that I think, and I'm, of course, I'm very biased because I was so intimately involved <laughs> in it. Uh, I think we have a document that is, that is not static. It's a document that is fairly dynamic, that allows us to imagine the future, um, not in a predictable formulaic way, but in a way which, which really is, is predicated on community input, doing some work up front so that we can then have those discussions in a meaningful way with some real evidence. Um, I mean, we will always use anecdotal evidence, but I think uh, we as a sector, and cultural sector, um, we haven't done a great job in collecting evidence on the impact of the work we do. And I think this plan uh, builds those systems and also acknowledges that, you know, we may have, we may, we're gonna make some mistakes. We're, we're gonna stumble a little bit, but that's fine. We do that as, as you know, you, you ask any artist or any artistic producer or, a, you know, a interpreter, director, um, when they're building something, when they're creating something, they often have to make changes. So innovation, change, uh, newness, this is part of what defines the art sector. And so we need to have that inform our planning documents. So the word change has been uh, said a few times. Um, if you're somebody who loves the festivals or loves the way things are now, 
is this something that might change in the future or is this, or maybe add to it or or are there other things that are on the horizon that might be might be there for for Edmontonians so I think it's a good question um, and I think the change that I'm talking about is not necessarily change in terms of what exists right now in terms of the offerings there is in fact one ambition uh, the third ambition which is a thriving and well-funded arts and heritage ecosystem that ambition is all about ensuring that there is economic security in the arts we want to make sure that our festivals our arts organizations are resilient they are able to actually do the work um, in a way that does justice to the artists that they are engaging with. Uh, we want to make sure that the systems that the Edmonton Arts Council uh, and the Edmonton Heritage Council actually develop are systems that are, that are cognizant, uh, that, uh, that actually uh, depend on uh, you know, the peer input. And so th there are, as you will see in, in, under that ambition, uh, there is actually the opposite. So the focus really is about is about strengthening. The focus is about um, continuing to build capacity, continuing to build capability, ensuring that arts professionals uh, are paid, uh, you know, at least have the conditions to be paid a wage that that allows them to do more of the art. Uh, we're doing that at both at the organizational level as well as the individual level. So one of the outcomes is squarely focused on the individual artist and can can the EAC and the city of Edmonton in their partnership build partnerships with other institutions what could we do together to create the conditions for artists to actually say you know what um, I'm attached to Edmonton because of many reasons but one of the one of the reasons I'm attached to Edmonton is that it is a city that recognizes my role as an artist. And it's a city that actually has given me the conditions so that I can begin to aspire to make a living in the arts in a way that contributes uh, to not only my well-being, but contributes to society as a, as a whole. And so we have that as, as a key principle. I mean, in terms of change, I think when you think about it, the change is that there is a recognition of the role of, uh, of the arts and the role of the artist through this plan that is very clear, um, that it's no longer a nice thing to have. It's actually essential. It's integral to what Edmonton is. It's, it's good to hear that uh, there's a strengthening for the artist as well because, you know, I, we just did the vital topic on arts and we talked about what the um, GDP would be for Edmonton in terms of the arts sector and, and what's coming into Edmonton in terms of arts and culture and, um, and how it contributes to the bottom line. We aren't just about the oil sector or the government sector or whatever. If um, Just to turn that a bit, if somebody wanted to be more involved with your plan, how would they do that or could they do that? We will be sending out um, in the next, I would say, four to six weeks, we will, we will be sending out information on all the consultations that we will be resuming, specifically around our granting programs, specifically around uh, our services. That will be, be public. In the future, uh, because we have, you know, we have a commitment through the first ambition, which is alive with arts and heritage, uh, we will be creating opportunities for for people uh, in general to be involved. Part of the work is not to create something new, but 
but part of the work is recognizing what already exists in a neighborhood and then really enhancing it and creating partnerships for that whatever it is to grow you know it could be community based activity uh, could be acquired could be other kinds of community based projects that are going on and um, are doing fairly well but how do we enhance uh, and amplify the visibility of those things um, how do we build some really neat partnerships with the BIAs or with local businesses to put artists in communities but as we become much more visible through our public programming at various at the community level i think there will be much more opportunity to work with us um and to influence and provide in- input into how we do our work great this is wonderful is there anything that we haven't touched on I think it's been fairly comprehensive. Okay. <laughs> what I can Nothing I else can you want to add? <laughs> good. Uh, no, I think I think this is good because I think, you know, uh, as you as you mentioned uh, at the beginning of this uh, conversation, uh, the, the this is not a traditional way to plan. It is a way to plan that actually recognizes that things like equity, things like um um indigenous uh, autonomy these are not static questions these are questions that change and move and shift and implementing organizations uh, like the edmonton arts council or the city of edmonton um, need to be cognizant that you know whenever any activity is uh, mediated through human interaction it is our responsibility and our ethical responsibility to to have those conversations to build those relationships and to make sure that we we have the best and most diverse input that we can have. Well, it'll be exciting to see where this goes and how uh, our arts arts and culture change here in Edmonton. Thanks for being with us. Thank you so much. Thanks so much to Sanjay Shahani for speaking with me. The plan is titled Connections and Exchanges: A 10-Year Plan to Transform Arts and Heritage in Edmonton. You can find a link to it in our show notes, along with more information about the Edmonton Arts Council. And it is a beautiful, beautiful publication. It is a beautiful publication. It looks wonderful. And that brings us to the end of the show. Thanks so much for listening. We really appreciate it. And hey, if you have an extra minute, please share this episode with your friends and leave us a review on iTunes. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook. Thanks for hanging out with us. We've been your hosts, Karen Tang and Elizabeth Bonking. Until next time. The Well Endowed Podcast is produced by Edmonton Community Foundation and is an affiliate member of the Alberta Podcast Network. The show is edited by Lisa Pruden. You can visit our website at thewellendowedpodcast.com. Subscribe to us on iTunes. And follow us on Twitter at the ECF. Our theme music is by Octavo Productions. And as always, don't forget to visit Edmonton Community Foundation at ecfoundation.org. Well Endowed.